Social innovation is a learning space. I certainly see the business world being probably the most receptive and actually open to bringing the mindsets and practices and thoughts and inspiration around that to change the way business operates. And I think there is a whole generation of people who are doing that. And I think the social innovation space can be a really interesting partner to people who are changing corporations from the inside. Traditional corporate practices got us to a life-threatening climate and unjust society. Changing this trajectory needs bold solutions from diverse thinkers. Welcome to Impact Reimagined, the podcast that helps you discover and envision a future where humanity's greatest problems are solved. I am Dr. Noah Gaffney, Executive Director of the Rutgers Institute for Corporate Social Innovation and your host. Social entrepreneurship has certainly been on the rise in recent years. And time and time again, entrepreneurs who learn to think outside the box have set themselves on a path to achieving transformational impact. Francois Bonici has dedicated his life to encouraging entrepreneurs to innovate in both public and private sectors. His humanitarian efforts in South Africa provided opportunities for global visibility and funding of social enterprises. Today, he is director of the Schwab Foundation for Social Innovation, and the head of social innovation at the World Economic Forum. In our conversation, Francois shares why we urgently need social innovation at scale. He also reveals how social entrepreneurs can stand up for our future by becoming trailblazers inside and outside of corporations. I feel I've been a child of the social innovation space to some degree. I grew up in very different circumstances, but was drawn to the sector through some pretty formative experiences. Growing up in South Africa from a quite a multicultural household of immigrants from across North Africa, Southern Europe and the Middle East with many different influences uh, in our family and apartheid South Africa was quite an antithesis to that spirit and grew up and went to medical school at the transition to democracy of South Africa. And as students ended up running clinics in some of the poorer areas and the townships uh, of South Africa and quite early stage had, you know, many formative experiences that recognized number one, my privilege, but also number two, the way that kind of we needed to really rethink health systems. And that's kind of where I started in those spaces and that we couldn't necessarily follow a Western model of healthcare where, you know, even for the West, it's becoming unaffordable. And so stumbled upon, I guess, social innovation in a way and, and models of social entrepreneurship as ways of thinking about public good using innovation, reorganizing the resources we had, working with private sector, with different models, uh, using technology, etc. My first year as a doctor was in Namibia, 23, running two neonatal ICUs uh, and recognizing that, you know, we had 17 incubators in the whole country for a low birth weight prevalence of about 15%. You go through medical school, you think you're going to save people's lives, you think you're going to use the best of your knowledge, but recognize without systems in place that can help to, as a platform for you to do that work, we were basically useless. So this is 1999, so quite a while ago, that we're already starting to emerge and be developed and use that as an opportunity to 
guide my career a little bit that stayed in healthcare for quite some time, but started broadening out and other experiences working in humanitarian settings and disaster settings and recognize that, you know, first of all, the social determinants of health were all these other reasons why people ended up being sick in the first place, education, poverty, access to sanitation, roads, transport, etc. Been a, a career that wasn't necessarily planned, but has been evolved by, I guess, trying to answer questions for myself and also see where I can best use, you know, the skills, network, opportunities that I've had to advance the work nowadays of others rather than work I do directly myself. Francois established the Bertha Center for Social Innovation at the University of Cape Town in South Africa. There, he implemented models for social entrepreneurship and direct solutions to socioeconomic issues. I think the first two, three decades of social entrepreneurship was identifying and trying to create an identity for these different kinds of models and actors. And the focus was very much on the business model and the opportunities for scale. But I think both my experience in South Africa, but also looking at where the field has got to and the experiences of many social entrepreneurs was recognizing no matter how successful these individual models are, unless the root causes of why those exist in the first place start to change, we're chipping away at an iceberg with a teaspoon in a way, right? And so because of those formative experiences I had, because also the deep-rooted history of South Africa and then part of my journey was establishing the, the Bertha Center for Social Innovation as one of the first social innovation centers on the African continent at the University of Cape Town and quite quickly sought to expose the social entrepreneurs in South Africa and provide a platform for them, but quite quickly learned that applying these direct solutions was not changing the real fundamentals of these hundred years of history of South Africa. As a director of the Schwab Foundation for Social Entrepreneurship, Francois and his team empower social innovators to create more sustainable organizations. What we do now at the Schwab Foundation, you know, builds on that long history of recognizing leading social change makers, but with some more explicit intent around how that can be part of our collective efforts in the private and public sector and social sector around recognizing we need systemic change, but also to share those lessons amongst each other as a peer group and to sh understand how we mainstream some of these models, how we can use our relationship, this close relationship with the World Economic Forum to use that platform of actors of influence uh, and power. And another way that you're really thinking about the sector transforming and mainstreaming is also through the influx of capital. What do you see as some of the potential challenges of impact investing and the influx of capital going towards quote-unquote impact initiatives? You know, businesses that can work at scale is through capital. You know, the latest research showed that that market is now over a trillion. So just for it to be taken seriously, I think is an important matter. What happens when the mainstream comes on? I think we have to go mainstream, right? If we don't go mainstream, it'll stay niche. So it, it, the question is, you know, what are the... What are the consequences of that happening? The social washing effect that people are claiming all kinds of things. I think that's part of the journey. My worry, I think, is that we, we lose the lessons, the hard lessons that the impact investing space has learned, which is how do we really figure out the metrics of value creation? How do we ensure that, you know, this is not exploitative? And I think some of the big challenge still is that it's still a predominantly Western driven financing mechanism, financing still Western-linked institutions in other parts of the world. And I, you've seen the, the data on that. And so it's really a call to action for 
local investors to be investing locally. And I think, you know, that's starting to happen. AVPA, the African Venture Philanthropy Association has been doing a great job in, in mobilizing local investors. And like all of these uh, initiatives, it's complex, but that's how the world, you know, needs to change. And overall, we're obviously going through a tricky economic time with an uncertain future around uh, the economy and obviously strong inflation. And so certainly in terms of emerging markets, that makes things a lot more difficult, particularly with currency exchanges, et cetera, even more reason for local investment. But I think the people who, who've been committed and working in the impact investing industry have been treading a very fine line to prove the business case, right? And at the same time, prove the impact thesis. And so, you know, my, my, my hats go off to them because I, I know many of them well, and I know it's been a hard case to prove, uh, but I think a lot has been achieved. It requires, I think, some of those committed people to end up in some of those mainstream capital allocators to bring those lessons in. How do you think about taking these really innovative ideas that are maybe not connected to the leading corporations or the large NGOs or different public sector organizations? And how do you bring them to the fore? And how do you make sure that they're actually implemented? So really curious to talk about the how. We're still learning. <laughs> I think that's the first part. I think the other bit is the social entrepreneurship and social investment space has been a little bit inward looking. It's a set of answers. And you know, I would describe it as a critical path towards the SDGs and a critical path towards our progress, but certainly not the only one. You know, we need political will, we need, you know, legal action, we need resource mobilization. And I think we have a few, you know, successful examples and we still have a long way to go. Part of it is obviously building a strong evidence base. And I think we need to do a good job and some have done a really good job of demonstrating that their models are, you know, rationally better than the status quo. So one example I would give is social enterprises that work in the community health space. And we've seen, you know, through a few randomized control trials and other forms of, of evidence, real reductions in health mortality because of the use of community health workers. And that's actually that cluster of organizations who've been doing that work have mobilized new interests from public sector and new capital and new financing to really ensure that community health, as a sense, continues and, find, and, and learns from some of the lessons that the social enterprises pioneered. So that's kind of one example is building the evidence base, but sometimes that's clearly not enough, right? Uh, and we need also to influence. Obviously, a lot of the the tools around advocacy are becoming more and more part and parcel of the social entrepreneurship sector, recognizing that, you know, evidence and demonstration is not enough. There needs to be influence. Um, there needs to be influence at at a political level, but also to counteract a lot of the lobbying that happens in the world that does influence government. And so being able to bring that in as a skill set in the sector, I think is important as well. We have one of the thought leaders in our community uh, who runs something called the Good Lobby. That's really about building the capacity for social sector organizations to lobby for positive change. Then I think one of the biggest and most interesting areas that we actually just came out of was really around thinking about meaningful partnerships between business and social enterprises. And that kind of mainstreaming can happen in a range of different ways. And maybe it's, you know, steps towards mainstreaming and adoption, but really understanding how do these actors provide an answer to some of the challenges that corporations are facing. So really thinking about, you know, the mutuality of these two kinds of actors. And clearly, you know, the one whole other side is around the world of capital investment and, and financing, right? And how that we've seen, you know, an explosion in impact funds in the large uh, capital holders 
And there's lots to learn from the impact investing world around you know, how investments are done, how deals are structured, um, how value is measured, and obviously blended value. And so I think there is an influence on that sector and community that is starting. There are some risks in the process that everyone wants to do impact now, but I think it's overall it's it's healthy as long as we make sure we avoid the social washing and the greenwashing stages. It's important to provide opportunities for bigger corporations to unlock solutions to social and environmental issues. The World Economic Forum's Corporate Changemaker Challenge pushes innovators within corporations to find solutions that also provide economic value. In 2019, soon after I arrived, we shifted the strategy to think more broadly than just social entrepreneurs, but rather to think that the kinds of practices, the mindsets, the spirit of uh, entrepreneurialism towards social and environmental goals was, you know, diffusing through the world, right? And, And what we saw with a set of values really that was in common. And there, there were people, you know, who had that spirit of social innovators, but were not necessarily starting their own thing. And, and and certainly when I was at kind of business school at the University of Cape Town, did not want to encourage everyone to go out and create a social enterprise startup. That's not what you wanted, what we wanted. And we created the first course in social innovation that was compulsory on an MBA in the world. And we did that because we believed everyone in South Africa should have those kinds of opportunities and mindsets, no matter where they ended up, whether they ended up in business or in government, no matter where they ended up. And so there are amazing human beings all over the world who want to create change. And some of those people live inside large companies and believe their companies can do things differently and believe the companies have great resources that can be powerful and impactful on the world. And we've been seeing that for you know quite some time. Entrepreneurship is not entirely new. We just thought as a foundation, this is something because of the relationship with the World Economic Forum would be important to start recognizing. And what we recognize is that clearly hundreds of others of people who work in companies who are probably at an earlier stage, who are you know starting their initiatives, who could do with the legitimacy and highlighting and some opportunities and value that we might bring. And so the Corporate Changemaker Challenge uses the World Economic Forum's uplink platform, which is made really for startup ideas and apply that in the corporate space to look for corporate change makers who were using their company's assets and resources, goods and services in ways quite creatively to drive business-oriented social environmental initiatives, so not CSR initiatives, the things that would actually speak to the core business of a company. Francois hopes that the social innovation playground continues to be a learning space for entrepreneurs to come. I certainly see the, the business world being probably the most receptive and actually open to to adopting and working with and and bringing that whether or not the exact models is bringing the mindsets and practices and thoughts and inspiration around that to change the way business operates and I think there is a whole generation of people who are doing that and I think the social innovation space can be a really interesting partner to people who are changing corporations from the inside that's why I We're quite excited about that space, our corporate challenge, but also connecting those spaces. And so I think it's about breaking out of its own bubble and stop looking internally and really engaging with the world that it's not social innovation for social innovation's sake, right? It's about the world we all want to see, but that the space, I think, has pioneered some things that we all can be inspired by and learn from, but also needs to be a little bit humble about, well, the world works in different ways in different sectors. Hopefully it outlives its fad-like 
phase, right? And and rather becomes part of the way we work. So whether it's not called social innovation in you know 15, 20 years time is probably irrelevant. To what degree we've actually learned and adopted and changed is, is more important. We can see rays of hope when social innovators are empowered to become forces of change. I hope this episode encourages you to think creatively about ways you can also make an impact. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to Impact Reimagined so you don't miss out on new episodes. Please also rate and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us and I'll catch you all in the next episode. Impact Reimagined is produced by the Rutgers Institute for Corporate Social Innovation and Human Group Media. If you want to learn more about our work at Rutgers, visit rixie.business.rutgers.edu.